bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, May 23rd, 2017. Three years ago today, President Barack Obama nominated San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro to be the 16th Secretary of HUD. Castro was eventually approved to replace outgoing HUD Secretary Sean Donovan. Sean Donovan was the outgoing secretary because he became the new director of the Office of Management and Budget. That's the person in the administration in charge of a president's budget. Castro did remain on the job at HUD until President Trump's win in last November's election and was ultimately succeeded by Dr. Ben Carson. We all took a lot of comfort when Sean Donovan was the Director of Office of Management Budget, feeling that HUD and its budget would get a fair shake. Well, with President Trump in office, we have a new budget request or a budget suggestion out of the President's administration today, and we're going to have information on some HUD programs that face dramatic cuts in that budget. So, Let's turn to this week's tax credit news. As noted in our general section, I'm going to share the highlights, or perhaps I should say lowlights, of the 2018 budget proposal that President Donald Trump's administration released today, including some affordable housing programs that, as I just mentioned, will see huge cuts. I'll also talk about the first of a series of hearings about tax reform that the House Ways and Means Committee conducted last week, and I'll let you know what topic they'll discuss today. In low-income housing tax credit news, I'll discuss the most recent co-sponsors for the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. I'll discuss the co-sponsors in both houses of Congress, and I'll highlight which co-sponsors are members of the influential Ways and Means Committee in the House and Senate Finance Committee. I'll also discuss which two states recently had audits of their Section 1602 cash grant programs and what the Treasury Office of Inspector General concluded. In historic tax credit news, I'll talk about the latest effort by legislators in West Virginia to pass a significant increase to their state historic tax credit percentage and what hurdles remain for it. I'll also close out with our renewable energy tax credit section, where I'll talk about legislation that's been introduced again in Congress to extend the investment tax credit for a specific type of renewable energy property. If you're ready, let's get started. In general news, really the breaking news of the day, the Trump administration has released its 2018 budget request. There are some significant implications in the budget for affordable housing and community development, and these implications are bad. The administration proposes to eliminate the housing trust and capital magnet funds, for example. These are affordable housing and community development programs that are financed by a fee charged to Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. The budget would also eliminate the $3 billion community development block grant program a program which HUD uses to support economic development projects. Also, HUD's Choice Neighborhoods Revitalization Grants and the Home Investment Partnerships Program would also be eliminated. In fact, there's a whole part of the budget specifically listing out the programs across the budget that would be eliminated or would see substantial reductions. 
an area of substantial reductions, are capital funds for public housing. They'd be cut by two-thirds. Overall, the HUD budget would see a 15.3% cut, or about $7.4 billion. Yes, billion with a B. We'll be spending a considerable amount of time today and over the coming weeks analyzing the budget and be reporting back with more details as we discern them. Now, the House Ways and Means Committee will hear Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin speak about the budget proposal at a hearing tomorrow, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Mnuchin will specifically address budget proposals for the Department of the Treasury. And the budget released today was terrible, though unfortunately expected, news for the CDFI fund. The budget would eliminate discretionary grant programs for the CDFI fund. However, the new markets tax credit and other non-discretionary programs are not eliminated. The budget would leave only $14 million for the CDFI fund for administrative funding. So what does all this mean? This week and next, much attention will be paid to the President's budget. There will be the secretaries of various departments testifying before Congress about their budget proposals. But then, eyes will turn towards Congress as congressional leaders, committee chairmen and such, develop a budget and move forward on funding proposals. Congress is the branch of government responsible for passing a budget for the President's signature, and we do expect the final budget to be dramatically different than the President's budget proposal. In short, the President's budget plan is the first step in a month's long process. We are working on a more detailed summary of the budget proposal and we'll post it on the notes from the Democratic blog. In other general news, the Ways and Means Committee held its first public hearing in this Congress about tax reform last week. The topic was how tax reform could grow the economy and create jobs. Committee Chairman Kevin Brady argued for lower tax rates, saying the current business tax rate environment drives jobs overseas. Richard Neal, the ranking Democrat on the committee, said his party would oppose tax cuts if they merely benefited the wealthy. Neal said that the plan, released by Trump's administration, does just that. You'll remember that Trump's team released a one-page document in April featuring core principles of the president's tax reform plan. And I'd like to note that the one-pager was about 230 words, give or take, and could have been shared in 11 tweets. Well, that proposal included a provision to cut the corporate tax rate from 35% down to 15%. Now, several corporate executives testified at last week's hearing, and they argued that a cut to the corporate tax rate would create economic growth. And I should note, the Ways and Means Committee will continue its series of hearings today, with this hearing focused on how to increase competitiveness and prevent American jobs from moving overseas. Today's hearing will include a discussion of the border adjustment tax provision, or as the Wall Street Journal reporter Richard Rubin likes to say, it's a destination-based cash flow tax. Now, that destination cash flow tax, or what's commonly referred to as a border adjustment tax, was part of the Republican House tax plan released last summer. And that plan, though, hasn't been embraced, or at least the destination-based cash flow tax, or border adjustment tax aspect of the plan, hasn't yet been embraced by President Trump. Now, we're going to keep you updated on developments at these hearings. We'll report back next week. And in the interim, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. In local housing tax credit news, I have an update regarding the Affordable Housing Credit Improvement Act of 2017. Now, just to remind you, Senate Bill 548 
was introduced by Senator Maria Cantwell with lead co-sponsor Senator Orrin Hatch in March. The bill would increase the long term tax allocation authority by 50% over five years. It would also establish a minimum 4% credit rate. This minimum credit rate would provide great assistance to tax and bond finance properties. And the bill would allow for income averaging, which is particularly important for tax and bond financing and rural developments. Well, I'm excited to be able to say that the bill has six new co-sponsors. This is six new co-sponsors since I last discussed the bill in the March 28th Tax Credit Tuesday podcast. And the six new co-sponsors includes Senate Finance Committee Republican member Rob Portman. This brings the total co-sponsors to 18, including 10 Democrats, 7 Republicans, and 1 Independent. The House version of the bill, which, by the way, does not include the 50% increase in the Local Tax Credit Allocation Authority, added 8 new co-sponsors this month. This brings the total co-sponsors of H.R. 1661 to 42, and that includes 24 Democrats and 18 Republicans. The new co-sponsors in the House include Ways and Means Committee members Christy Nome and Lynn Jenkins. I would also like to thank everyone who joined us last week at our affordable housing conference in San Francisco. For those unable to attend, we do have our Novigrad 2017 Affordable Housing Task Force Conference in October in New Orleans. You can register by going to www.novico.com and click on the Events tab. I hope to see you there. In other affordable housing news, last week, the Treasury Department's Office of Inspector General, or OIG, posted audits of the Section 1602 program in two states. The audits were for Rhode Island and Arkansas. Now, the Section 1602 program, as you may recall, was part of the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of 2009. The program was created to award grants to states in lieu of low-income housing tax for allocations during the Great Recession, and states could exchange a portion of their low-income housing tax credits for Section 1602 cash grants under the program. The Section 1602 program requires audits of selected state housing credit agencies to assess whether they complied with the program's requirements. Well, the recent audits were mostly good news. The Rhode Island audit concluded that the state agency generally complied with the requirements of the program. The Arkansas audit found that the state agency substantially met requirements. However, the agency failed to meet all requirements in regard to one property that received a Section 1602 grant. The audit recommended that the Treasury Department's Fiscal Assistance Secretary ensure that those requirements are met and the Arkansas Development Finance Authority agreed and said it would take appropriate action. The audit shows oversight for the program and also shows that a vast majority of properties funded by the Section 1602 program in those states are following all requirements. Rhode Island, by the way, funded six properties with its Section 1602 grants, and Arkansas funded 33 properties. In historic tax credit news, we have word that one state may soon see an increase in its historic tax credit percentage. What state? West Virginia. A portion of a revenue bill being considered by the West Virginia legislature would increase the state historic tax credit from a 10% credit to a 25% credit. The bill is being considered by the legislature in a special session. The measure would also add a cap of $3.75 million per transaction in the state historic tax credit. There is, by the way, currently no transaction cap. The historic tax credit provision is just one of many provisions 
in the wide-ranging bill that's being considered in this special session. The idea of increasing the historic tax credit percentage in West Virginia was part of legislation earlier this year. That bill died in the legislature during the regular session. West Virginia has a 10% state historic tax credit now, while neighboring states, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Virginia, all have 25% credits. Neighboring Kentucky has a 30% credit and a 20% credit. Supporters of a West Virginia increase say adjacent states are more attractive to developers because of their higher credit percentages. We should also note West Virginia is facing a $200 million budget deficit, which is the main reason there is this special session for the legislature. The state constitution requires that the state have a balanced budget in place by July 1st. If the revenue bill passes with the boost in the historic state credit, the change would take effect July 1st. If you have questions about the historic tax credit in your state, or want to know what the effective dates for the historic tax credit with respect to particular properties in West Virginia would be, contact my partner, Tom Bosha, in our Cleveland, Ohio office. In renewable energy tax credit news, legislation was recently introduced in both houses of Congress to extend the 30% investment tax credit for offshore wind properties through the year 2025. The Offshore Wind Incentive for New Development Act was also introduced in the last session of Congress, where it unfortunately failed to get out of committee. This time, Ed Markey of Massachusetts and five co-sponsors have supported the Senate version, while Representative Jim Langefen of Rhode Island introduced a House version. All of the sponsors in both houses of Congress are Democrats. In the last session of Congress, similar legislation finished with 18 co-sponsors in the House and 8 in the Senate. But as I noted, it did not get out of committee in either House. Now, as you know, the investment tax credit is part way into a phase-down, under which it will drop from the current 30% to 26% in the year 2020, and eventually to a permanent 10% credit starting in 2022. Under this legislation, the investment tax credit would remain at 30%, through the end of the year 2025. The bill is particularly important for Rhode Island. The first U.S. offshore wind project began in December near Block Island, Rhode Island. Now, Maryland has also authorized two offshore wind projects this month, so it would also benefit. You can read the bill, which is S1102 and HR2413, at www.energytaxcredits.com. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. Just a reminder, we do have a webinar coming June 1st with tips and strategies for filing your 2017 New Markets Tax Credit application. The webinar will be hosted by my partner, Nicola Panoli. You can register at www.novico.com training. And a week later, June 8th and 9th, we'll gather in Washington, D.C. for the Novogratic 2017 New Markets Tax Credit Spring Conference. There will be plenty to discuss, and we have a great lineup of speakers on our panels. If you haven't registered yet, you can still do so. Go to www.novico.com events. That's it for now. I'm Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novico.com forward slash podcast or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratik and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. 
Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.